Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and we are in our Speak Life series. The series is based on Ephesians 4.29 that says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Today, I'm joined by Abby Halberstadt, who is here to share about speaking life to her kids. Abby is a mom to 10, Bible-believing Christian, home educator, fitness instructor, and author. And you may know her from her Instagram, M is for Mama. Welcome, Abby. Thanks for having me, Taylor. It's fun to be here. So glad you're here. Now, first things first, you just released a new book, Hard is Not the Same as Bad. Tell us about it. Correct. Well, this is kind of the heart cry of motherhood that the Lord has placed on my heart and my convictions and my desire to share with others probably for the last 10 years or so. And when my publisher first contacted me three-ish years ago, it's the book that I pitched to them and they accepted. And then they wanted to call it M is for Mama. And I was like, nope, that's not what this book is called. Like it's, I can write M is for Mama. And I did. That was my first book. Uh-huh. And I think that it was a great foundational book to talk about kind of the cultural lies that we have about motherhood that we are confronting with biblical truth as Christian mamas. But hard is not the same thing as bad. Takes it to the next logical step. Like, okay, so the culture's lying to us. The culture says children are a burden. The culture Mm -hmm. says that we are to, you know, find ways of escape whenever possible, that we can't possibly be expected to pour from an empty cup, you know, and just all of these things that sound good, but when you kind of expose them to the truth of scripture of taking up our cross and following Jesus, they don't really match up. They don't line up. And so what, what do we do with that practically? What is this scriptures have to, what do the scriptures have to say about what that cross looks like, how that could look with our husbands and our children and different phases of motherhood. And so I do this Q and a every week called, what do you want to know Wednesday? Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like I get to have my finger on the beating pulse of Christian motherhood. It's so cool because I get hundreds, sometimes a thousand questions every single week. And to see the themes that emerge really helps you to be able to write a book that speaks directly to what Christian moms want to know. Mm-hmm. And that's what hard is not the same thing as bad does. It's the, the subtitle says it's a perspective shift that could completely change the way you mother. And the reason I chose that subtitle was not to be gimmicky. It's because when I just started using the hashtag or the phrase hard is not the same thing as bad before the book ever existed, I got so much feedback from moms that literally told me that they said, this has completely changed the way I view the hard parts of motherhood. And I was like, okay, you know, it's the truth. It really just is that mindset shift that says, instead of this is difficult, therefore it must be wrong, annoying, bad. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do it. Mm -hmm. Instead, like, what can I learn from this? What is the Lord teaching me in this? How can I grow? How could this be used for my good and his glory? That is so good. Um, so this is specific to motherhood. Is there like a specific stage in motherhood? No, I'm speaking to all mothers. I get asked that a lot because people assume that I'm probably speaking to young mothers, mm-hmm. but I hear from grandmas that are like, I wish I had this when mm-hmm. I was a young mom. I'm giving this. I got a lot out of it. Or this is the book I would write to young moms. Mm-hmm. If this were my calling, mm-hmm. like I would love to do this. I'm so glad you wrote it. And, or it's the book that I would write to any mother. 
here's the interesting feedback that I've gotten. My husband, Sean, who writes what's called dad thoughts in the book, which are just kind of his contribution in three to 500 words at the end of each chapter, because I had so many moms after MS for mama say, where's D is for daddy. Mm-hmm. Where's, where's the equivalent for my husband? Because he's yearning for this kind of countercultural biblical truth. And I can't find it, which is, I'm sure there are good resources out there, but the fact that so many women have told me that grieves my heart because mm-hmm. I, I want that resource out there for them. And so my husband wrote the D is for daddy parts for the dads so that they would have like this little sound bite at the end of each of the um, chapters. What he told me when we first got the go ahead to write this as the title of the second book was, I don't want this to be a motherhood book because this concept is for everyone. Like we don't see Jesus speaking just to mothers when he says, he who will save his life will lose it, but the mm-hmm. man who loses or the, the person who loses his life for my sake will find it. And that is kind of the crux of heart is not the same thing as bad. Um, and they wanted a motherhood book because that's my primary audience. But I hear from people all the time who are either not mothers yet or are single or are way past the primary mothering stage. And they're like, even though this is written from a motherhood perspective, this is speaking truth into my hard circumstances. And I'm gleaning so much from it because it's based on scripture. It's not mm-hmm. because I'm so great. It's because scripture is great. Um, well, and the concept and can apply to so many areas of life. Yes, absolutely. So tell us about your kids. What is the age range in those? So I have almost three-year-old twin identical boys who will be three on Sunday all the well Sunday at the time that we're recording this, so uh-huh. September 24th, uh-huh. all the way up to a 17 and a half year old boy. And I have three girls kind of in the middle that are 12. And then, so the cool part about the twin thing is that I have two sets of twins, one set of identical twin boys who will be three on Sunday and a set of identical twin girls who will be 11 on Sunday. How so same birthday. Fun. Four so birthdays. I'm married to yeah. a twin and they're fun even into adulthood. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so excited to see how their relationships blossom because it's already really fun to watch. Oh, yeah, it's the best. Um, so what does speaking life to your kids look like in your home? So being intentional is the biggest thing because we could find something to criticize in our children all day, every day. We could find something to criticize in ourselves. We could find something to criticize in our spouse. We are so prone in our sin nature to speak death. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a kind of extreme sounding term, but that's literally what the Bible says in Proverbs, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Those who love life will eat of its fruit. Those who love death will eat of its fruit. And so when we take opportunities to notice that an effort has been made, when we just say things like, Hey, you, I like your face. I, you know, mm-hmm. I love you. You're, you're cute. You are, you are loved for no other reason than that you're mine, you know? Um, and so just taking that moment to stop and tell them what you appreciate about them at any given point, tell them, you know, goodness, I'm proud of you for working hard on reading. You're doing so much better. Um, something that my husband read an article about recently was talking about the idea of praise and the fact that if we just say you're so smart to someone versus you really worked hard on that. They've been able to come back and see that the people who were told your effort was stellar and your work paid off did much better on future tests than people that were simply told, goodness, you're just naturally good at this mm-hmm. or you're smart. So I think speaking life matters even in knowing how to express our appreciation for our kids. We want to encourage them toward righteousness, not simply toward 
good self-esteem. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what does that look like when it does come to those disciplining moments? I think one of the biggest things is expressing, again, that idea that I love you because you're mine and because God created you instead of I love you because of what you do right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important to praise our children and to 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 notice and to lift them up for the kind and generous things that they do. Absolutely. I think that that is that kind of enforcement and that kind of um, noticing is so helpful for kids. But at the same time, we don't want to be conveying to them that when you perform, I like you. Mm-hmm. And when you do wrong, I'm mad at you kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so being able to calmly express to them like this, even if it's our disappointment, say like, hey, I've seen you do really well at this. And right now you're struggling. Um, and we all struggle because all sin and fallen short of the glory of God. But your choices right now are are not right. And let's talk about like the heart of that. Now, with a three-year-old, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. You're getting to the heart of the matter. A lot of it is more along the lines of redirection or discipline, but you're always offering them that assurance that your love is steady and strong no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter what their behavior is, even while you're correcting the behavior. And we see that in the Bible. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves and he punishes or even scourges those whom he accepts as sons, is what Hebrews 12 tells us. Mm-hmm. That's such strong language, but it's it's literally, my mom always told me when I was growing up, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't care what you did. Yeah. So the idea being, because I love you so much, I am willing to correct you. Pike Weisner, who's a pastor in mm-hmm. Tyler, at downtown First Baptist, um, said this phrase. He said, the most unloving thing you can do is watch someone walk down a path of destruction and do nothing to stand in their way. Mm. So it is loving to confront our kids in their sin and say, because I love you, I am going to um, to remind you of God's goodness and his, and his truth and his commands. Mm. So how does that work with your husband? Do y'all have a way that you set divide that? Or is it just kind of whoever's there in the moment? Well, mostly whoever's there in the moment, but I am the homeschool mom. So a whole lot of the correcting comes down to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two teenage boys and they respond well to me, but they obviously have just an inherent bond with their daddy because they're, you know, getting to be young men and they've been able to go on fishing trips together and hikes. And I mean, just certain things that are honestly more fun with him. And mm-hmm. I am totally okay with that. I love that he has that bond with them. And so there are times when it is better for him to be the one saying, all right, you know, we we set the standard. You didn't choose to meet the standard. Here are the consequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, sir. Okay. You know, and again, if I'm the one there, he's traveling or, or I'm the person present at the time, then absolutely that falls to me. And that's appropriate too. Mm -hmm. And in the same vein, while we're not at all segregating our discipline by gender, there are times that certain issues come up that it's better for mama to talk to the girls. Mm -hmm. So it's a a lot of discernment, I would say in the moment, but a whole lot of it falls to me because I'm the one that's there from, you know, eight to five Uh when he's working. Uh So how are you building the trust with your kids? You've got so many kids, 10 kids. How do you build trust with each of them? I know that's going to look different for a three-year-old versus a 17-year-old. Yeah, it is. I think for with the older kids, this is true of every age, but especially with the older kids, you have to study what they love, Mm. study what they're interested in, find their passions and the things that make them tick and do those things with them. 
that means that I'm going to go out in the yard and throw a football with my football crazed sports obsessed 15 year old. Mm -hmm. That means that I am going to take my oldest who loves food and loves treats out for a milkshake and take him to get him new shoes, you Mm -hmm. know, and we're just going to do that together for the three-year-olds. It means lots of snuggles and reading aloud to them for the girls. It means going on mama daughter dates Mm -hmm. together or baking together. I mean, just, I know what makes my kids tick. And so I'm able because most of my time is spent with them as a home educator Mm -hmm. to take those pockets of time. I think that the lie that the world tells us is that Unless it's a one-on-one date for a set period of time, let's say two hours, the impact isn't there. And Mm -hmm. I really believe that that's a highly pressured assumption to make. And it puts a lot of undue stress on moms that are like, I don't, there's very rarely a time that I have any people that have three kids, people that have one kid. How often do we have two hours of concentrated time that we Mm -hmm. can do, you know, pony rides and ice cream and park in the end and just, just pile it all up to make it some grand event. When I truly believe that it is the drip, drip, drip of goodness into your kid's life of paying attention and loving them well in little moments of saying yes, when they want to jump in the car with you to go to the grocery store, when you would rather go by yourself and have a moment of peace and quiet, but you say mm-hmm. yes anyway. Mm-hmm. So powerful. They love those rides to the grocery store with mama or daddy. When we, you know, they'll go, can I just be the one that goes? And we'll go like, grab, grab your shoes and go fast. Cause you know, nobody <laughs> sneak else, out. Else, you know, yeah. sneak exactly. And they think that's so fun because they feel so special, mm-hmm. but it's not grand. It's the grocery store. Uh-huh. It's the least grand thing in the world, but they still love it. Oh, that's really cool. So how do you and your husband make church something that your kids enjoy and not something that feels like a chore? I think being at the right church has mm-hmm. a lot to do with it. And it took us a very long time to find a place where we truly felt like we had the kind of community where we could do life with mm-hmm. the people. We've been a variety of places that might have good theology or great worship. No church is going to have the quote unquote full package. The goal is not for us to have a list that we tick off of things that serve us, that we like, that are done the way that we, you know, it's not about us, about oh God. Mm-hmm. And so First and foremost would be cultivating that attitude in our kids. I think it's pretty easy to convey to our kids that the world should revolve around them and their preferences the same way that we want the world to revolve around us and our preferences. So we might subconsciously or actively end up conveying to them that if they don't like the songs that we sing at church on Sunday, or if they don't like the way people dress, or if this isn't cool enough, or if that, then they really shouldn't have to engage. Mm-hmm. But when we turn the view back to, we're here to worship the God of the universe who created us, then the, at least we're starting out with the right mindset. We're starting out with a mindset of humility. And then Obviously, the Lord leads us to the right place. And so we really enjoyed the church where we are because of the community and because people are actually doing life together. We are bringing each other food when we have babies. We are helping each other clean up. We are hosting garage sales together. Um, You know, just really seeing the hands and feet of Jesus where we are now. And like I said, it took a while to get there. Um, I think also having a very high view of God's word in your home. Mm -hmm. So we've had a pretty long standing habit of family Bible reading um, that I have done consistently when Sean's had to travel or when his schedule didn't allow. And he's really moved into being the forerunner in that in the last, I would say probably six, seven years, which has been amazing. And so our kids know God's word. 
They love God's word. We discuss God's word. And the idea that they're coming and they're getting God's word. Now, I don't want to present too high of you. An eight-year-old is not going to be so very impressed. He's mostly going for his friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and to sing songs. Um, But it's not mumbo jumbo Mm -hmm. because they have been, they've been steeped in this from a very early age. And um, our church has an Awana program, which I love because it's so rich in scripture memorization. That is my favorite thing about it. And so they come home learning verses every week from there as well as in addition to what we're learning together as a family in the mornings. Um, so just the thing is, the Bible never calls church to raise our kids. And that wasn't your question. But I'm here for it. If we are, if we are not being faithful to fill what Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8 says, which says to impress what God has done upon our children, to impress God's law upon our children, to write it, you know, on the doorpost of our house, to talk about it when we stand in the way and when we sit and when we lie and we walk, which covers pretty much everything that we do in life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If we are not faithful to be the first touchstones of biblical education for our children, then when we take them to a church on Sunday and they haven't been exposed to God's word and taught to love God's word and had the model of loving God's word displayed for them consistently, it very likely, outside of the Holy Spirit doing a powerful work in their lives, which he can, very likely will sound like mumbo-jumbo to some extent. It will be very foreign. It will sound stilted and formal and certainly unlike anything you're hearing in the media that we have today. So laying that foundation is really crucial. It's so good. So good. Um, so with laying that foundation, um, do y'all have any kind of family rules, whether they pertain to like biblical principles or truth that y'all have come up with? Um, What does that look like for your family? We have a family motto and it is be a blessing. So it's so simple, but it's something that we say to our kids all the time, everywhere they go. And also at our own home, because we make the point that if God says to love God and love our neighbors, the closest neighbors are the ones that live in the same house as you do. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you can't be a blessing to your sister, then any kind of being a blessing that you're doing to somebody else is kind of a form of hypocrisy, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're saving your niceness. You're saving your niceness for someone else. Yeah. Um, and so our goal always is the heart of the matter, not the going through the motions or the robotic display of righteousness when, when the heart is not affected. So the idea of being a blessing is um, what can I do to serve you? You know, Philippians talks about we're not supposed to look only to our own interests, but the interests of others. And that in humility, we're to consider others as better than ourselves. I think C.S. Lewis says that humility is not thinking less of yourself as in thinking lower of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less, like just not being as concerned with your own interest and your own um desires and goodness that is hard as an adult and it's especially hard as a kid because they have sin natures and naturally they're going to gravitate towards what pleases them what they can get is instant gratification like i said i struggle with this as an adult Mm -hmm. so we have to um, be continually renewing our minds with scripture and be continually reminding our kids of opportunities no matter how small to say, God bless you, thank you, when you get a haircut, to open the door for the lady and meet her eyes and say, good morning, ma'am, to, I can't tell you how much it blesses me when young people, um, my husband and I were playing pickleball the other night, and it was at the very end of the night, and all the normal, like the people that we normal, normally play with had gone home, 
And there were just two young men that were left. And we said, hey, do you all want to play a game? They said, oh, yes. And um, we played with them and beat them, I might add. Good for you. Um, (laughs) And um, had such a good time. But the thing that I noticed about one of the young men is that, um, and I was a teacher for many years. I was a high school Spanish teacher for quite a few years. And so I got called ma'am all the time. It doesn't mm-hmm. bother me. And I started teaching when I was 19 and I got called ma'am when I was 19. <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't an age thing, yeah. but I would say something too about the score and he'd go, yes, ma'am, that's the score or something. I was like, gosh, she's very polite. And then as we were leaving, um, we were talking to them, how old are you? Where do you go to school? And they, they made such good eye contact and like carried the conversation back. And I was just so blessed by that because there are so many young people nowadays who don't take the opportunity to be a blessing simply by meeting someone's eyes, mm-hmm. learning their name, speaking to them like they're a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, we are so connected with our screens and so disconnected from humanity such of the t- so much of the time. So while I wouldn't call it a family rule, the goal is to take what we've learned at home and apply it practically in how we can serve others. Mm-hmm. I love that. So helpful, I think. Um, these little tools and tips and things that you've pulled out from scripture to see how does this apply to my family, to my parenthood, I think is so helpful. And I think it's really going to be beneficial to our listeners. What encouragement would you offer moms who feel like they're in the thick of it right now? Well, I would encourage you by the fact that I also am in the thick of it right now. I might have 10 children. My oldest might be almost a legal adult. He's already graduated. So I have graduated a kid from homeschooling which feels like a huge accomplishment on the one hand. And then you just realize, you know, you just keep going. You just, (laughs) you just keep pouring into your kid. Not much has changed. You're still parenting. You're still, you know, disciplining. You're still requiring things and finding that balance of, of um, letting go and, and increasing responsibility and privilege. But then also at the same time, I have five boys, eight and under, including a set of almost three-year-old twins and um, our house flooded about a month ago and our entire downstairs was pretty much destroyed and we are still not able to start on the process because you know insurance is fine they Mm. don't they don't they don't hurry they don't but they no no and our insurance has actually been really nice but Mm -hmm. they're just not in a hurry yeah and so um one thing they did was they found us a rental to stay in which took about three weeks because there's so many of us and Mm -hmm. i'm surprised they even managed to find it it was kind of a miracle um, but one thing we've noticed just being in a new place is that our youngest three who are f- four and then almost three and three have just keyed up in their energy, we'll call it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just so much little boy energy all day, every day we feel like, and also it's not our home. So we're constantly trying to make sure that, Oh no, 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 don't touch that. This stuff, you know, yeah. things like that. So, um, the other, a couple times recently, we've just looked at each other and been like, this is really intense. We are seasoned parents. We know what it's like to have twin toddlers. We know what it's like to go through this stage. So many, we've done it so many times before, but this is wearing me out. Like genuinely feel a little bit exhausted at the end of every day by the amount of staying on guard and correcting and pulling them back from, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. In addition, obviously, to just regular life and book launches and, and homeschooling and travel and just other things that we have on our plate, trying to, trying to get a house renovated. It's a lot. All the things. And so my encouragement would be to myself as well. 
from Galatians 6, 9. It's one of my favorite motherhood verses that doesn't technically talk about motherhood anywhere. And it is, don't grow weary of doing good for in the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Mm. And that last part is so key because I can't tell you how many people have DM'd me or sent me emails or carrier pigeon messages. (laughs) Like sometimes you feel like you're getting messages from all over the world Uh in every format possible saying the same thing, which is I'm so weary. I'm so tired of this season that we're in. This season that we're in is hard. It's trying me. I don't think I can go on. Mm -hmm. And I think that my biggest encouragement is that when you have a verse like that from Galatians 6, 9, look at who wrote it. I mean, Paul does that whole thing in Corinthians where he talks about being a super apostle and he basically lists his credentials and his credentials are that he's been beaten. He's been dragged out and, you know, attempted to be stoned. He has been um, persecuted and called before the tribunal. And like his credentials are those of suffering. And yet he said to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Mm. And so my goodness, how humbling that is for me as a tired mama of so many littles, as well as teenagers whose hearts I need to cultivate, as well as middle kids who have all of their, you know, particular needs and desires and and energy and personalities to say, goodness, maybe Paul wasn't dealing with 10 kids or two kids or, or a flood in his house, but we know that he had so many hard things happening to him. And yet his hope was in Christ and talks about being content in all circumstances, that he has learned the secret of being content, that even in the hardest areas, whether he has sickness or health, whether he has plenty or want, you know, and you can insert whether my kid is sick or whether he's healthy, whether he is obeying me or whether he's defying me, whether he's, you know, just go through the whole list, whether he's sleeping or not. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that doesn't mean I can climb a mountain. I could. It means I actually am capable of maintaining patience in this extremely trying moment through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And that's actually really encouraging and convicting at mm-hmm. the same time. Mm-hmm. Man, that is so good. I feel like this has just been a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and just learned experience. Before you go, we've got two questions that we ask every guest. What is something you're learning and what is something you're loving? Oh, something I'm learning is patience. <laughs> what a fun lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, well, and, and also just along the lines, there's always kind of that joke. You've probably heard it before. If, if you, um, if you pray for patience, you know, you better expect an opportunity to practice it. Uh-huh. Like, like you, the Lord's just not going to drip it into your life. He's mm-hmm. going to give you you're going to say, Lord, would you please just make me a patient person? And your, you know, four-year-old is going to drop a cereal on the ground mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, I cannot, but, oh, right. Okay. This was my opportunity to practice yeah. patience. Well, one thing that I am learning is that the Lord will take things that you say and ask you, do you really mean them? And I just wrote a book called Hard is Not the Same Thing as Bad. And I'm telling you, this has been a doozy of a month. Mm. And there's, I mean, beyond the flood, there have been so many things. I'm dealing with debilitating back pain and there's been interpersonal relationships that have been sick. And there've been like something got completely messed up on the book. That was a big, big deal. And just, just hit after hit after hit. Mm. And it was like the Lord saying, okay, did you really mean it? Do you really trust me? And 
thank the Lord through his grace. The answer is yes, I really do, Lord. And I really do mean it. And I see you sustaining us through every single one of these hits and teaching us and giving us the opportunity to give you the glory through them. And thank you for that opportunity. But yeah, definitely learning a lot of patience through it. Um, related to the same thing, the thing that I'm loving most right now is all of the DMs flooding in, telling me that hard is not the same thing as bad is reaching them at the exact moment in their life when they needed it. Mm -hmm. And I hear every, I mean, my mom has cancer. We just found out and I'm going to spend my 30th birthday in the hospital taking care of her. And my husband is going to be home and that's not how I wanted to spend my 30th birthday, but I have your book with me and it's full of scripture and it's like, a hug, you know, it's mm-hmm. like being with someone who is sitting beside me with coffee and encouraging me. And it just, it makes me weep. Like that the Lord would give me that privilege to do that. It just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Man, that is so cool. Well, we'll put the link for your book in our show notes in case anyone wants to get it for both books. Um, but I'm so excited for what the Lord is doing in your life. And thank you for sharing a little bit of that with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.